Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. This will be episode two, I suppose, of the 21st Century Sundance podcast. I'm your host, the 21st Century Sundance Kid. We are here with Natasha from hello. Low Friendo. How are you today? Um, I'm okay. How about you? I'm good. I'm full of energy. I am a little tipsy. We were, we were at an Irish event. That's all I'll say about that. Um, now we're drinking Irish beer. Yes, we are. I was implying by being at that Irish event that I had already been drinking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Guinness is the drink of kings. Yeah. So, Natasha, you're in a band. I am. Called Low Friendo. Correct. The Friend in Spanish. Is it? No. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say. That would be Low Amigo, right? Or right. I don't even know if Low is El Amigo, right? <laughs> Our producer let us know that. Where'd you guys get that name? Okay, so to go back in time a little bit. Uh, oh, shoot my mic. I mean, well, don't actually shoot my mic, but. <laughs> um, so when I joined the band with the guys, uh, they were a band in high school together, and they were Frog Stomp, and it was like the two of them. Mm. And like reoccurring like friends would come in and out and play with them, but it was always Brett and Danny, my my two other bandmates and little friend of now. Um, but in like 2018, 19, we had, I had been a part of this band called Frog Stomp with them. And in that time, we also got our drummer, Brandon. And at that point, we were just a completely new band with four people that wasn't really Frog Stomp making Frog Stomp music. So we're like, maybe we should, I guess, rebrand, like rename ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And we wanted to come up with something that wasn't, you know, how do you say generic like oh like ant hill or something like i have actually a band of like a list of band names in my phone that i've just always thought of but i don't know we just wanted to come up with something that was particular to us as friends and you know because we've all been friends for a while at that point and one of the things that we always would say i guess like vernacular particular to our group is like oh hey friendos like what are the friendos doing and then Instead of saying, like, okay. hang out, we'd say, like, do you want to loaf? Because <coughs> essentially loafing is, like, yeah. we're hanging out, but we're, like, playing video games or playing music or just, like, talking. So we're just, like, loafing. Like, we're just hanging out. Yeah, definitely. So one day we were just chatting in the group chat, and I was just kind of thinking of things out loud. And I was like, okay, what about friendo? And, like, we like that. Well, friendo's taken. So what if I was, like, low friendo? Because get it, low. Friendo was taken? Yeah. And Whoa. actually, they're like a band. I forgot where, but I, f- I found their music, and they're pretty decent. So I was like, oh, they're good. Are they better but than you? Music's <laughs> subjective, isn't it? <laughs> good um, answer. Good answer. But, uh, so I was like, but what if we call ourselves Loaf Friendo? Because it has the name Loaf in it, and yeah. then it still has our like way of how we address each other as friendos. So, and also it rhymes with Nintendo, which is like our council of choice. Mm, of course, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, I came up with Lofrendo, and it's kind of stuck ever since. I love that. That's very yeah. organic. What's your Nintendo game of choice? Oh, my God. We're all, we all play Smash. Yeah? yeah? Is there like, there's like Lofrendo Smash mm-hmm. events happening? In our music video, uh, Want Need, we were playing Smash at the end. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's like, very Danny and, and Brandon are actually really, really good at Smash. They played a lot, way more than I do. Um, but when I first started coming around, like Danny and Brett and like our group of friends, uh, they would play 
literally like eight, nine people play Smash at a party. And I was like, wait a minute, I played Smash growing up. So that was my way of like getting to like know them and get used to a, a, a new group of friends that I didn't know. Like we bonded over playing Smash and just... I don't know, getting to know each other that way. Yeah, that's beautiful. So Anything you can do to break down that bond. Because yeah. the closer you are as humans, the better music you'll make. The more of a genuine like connection you'll have there. Yeah, I, I actually met them through a friend of mine that I went to high school with. They all used to work at Mariano's together. That's how they met, through my mutual friend. Um, and then my friend, who's also big in music, but he doesn't play music. He's just like a big audiophile, I guess. Yeah. He was like, you need to like come to the party at the farm sometime i'm like whose farm and what party and like oh our friend brett and that's how Whoa. i met them and i mean it was a little intimidating at first because all of these course. new people i don't know and well i go to the house and this was like five six seven no more than that like almost seven years ago now maybe eight and all these people are there and there's a basement downstairs and i hear people jamming and i was like whoa like i never been around a jam session before i always just played music to myself in my For room sure. um but my friend was really encouraging, and he was like, go go play with them. I was like, no, they're going to judge me. They're going to think I'm bad. Like, they're way better than me in my head. You know, I'm thinking all yeah. these things. He's like, just pick up the guitar. They don't care. And I did. And that was when they were like, whoa, like, who is she? She can play with us. Um, so they remembered me that night. And then I came over another time. They were jamming. I played with them. And then it took maybe a couple times to just hang out and play with them. And they were like, do you want to play a show with us? And that's how I became part of frog stomp at the time nice yeah so i'm glad he encouraged me to you know pick up the guitar it's one of those things that because now we i mean you and i go to jam sessions all the time yes. and so every once in a while we're running to someone like oh like what if i'm not good enough or what if doesn't i'm matter. like doesn't matter it does it not only matter matters if you're around somebody who's Just gonna be like yeah. that guy yeah. but for the most part as long as you're not being obnoxious, because there's moments where it is like, and this doesn't have to do with skill level either, where you just got to be like, hey, turn down. Or like, if it's a newbie, usually newbies, it's like you said, like they don't know if they're good enough, so they're not going to be like stomping on everybody's toes. Mm -hmm. They're going to hear somebody else play this wicked solo and be like, okay, I, I, I need to step aside and let this happen. Um but even like you said, like it, there's no reason to not get out there. It's the same reason people don't start writing songs. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I feel like it happens with musicians a lot because the it takes a while to make like a song worth quote unquote listening to. Like a lot of times in high school, people are like, oh, especially because to bring a song into fruition in the real world, rather than being like, oh, listen to this demo I made. Like you have to pay to get it mixed and mastered. It's not like painting a painting where you're like, oh, I painted this look. Yeah. And like you can look at it like that's it. It's not like you had to pay somebody to mix and master it before you could show it to your friends. So to like yeah. get out there, it's so important just to start that process. And get your feet in the I water. I think that's why it works really well with Lofrendo because we do everything our own. We have a special guest. <laughs> hey. A little bit, but it's fine. Don't even worry about it. Um, but uh, what I was going to say was um, it works with us because we do everything ourselves. We mix, master our own stuff. We record our own stuff. For sure. Who mixes and masters it? Like a team effort? Mm -hmm. Well, Danny Danny has the, the files. He's, he's the one mixing it and mastering it, but 
we review it together and then we like make edits and revisions as we go and we listen and we'll sit down together with like a notepad and write down the things that we all notice that may sound off or too loud or oh that's a little out of tune or whatever the case may be sometimes we'll all get into a car and listen to it together we'll listen to it on we, we, we'll just use all different kinds of things, uh, like speakers or headphones, to just make sure it's sounding good. Um, and I will say, it, it, it's been a learning process. Like, when we recorded um, our first album, Repossession, that was, the demos were done in a workout room. And, uh... What? Well, at the time, we didn't have, Brett wasn't living at the farm. By the way, the farm is where we um, record and... Yeah, yeah, explain, explain the farm <laughs> in detail. Okay, so... I know I mentioned it earlier, but Brett lives in a farm. Brett's our lead guitarist. He lives in a farm. It's his family's farm. Um, but it's like he lives there alone. And uh, we're fortunate to have that space because it's literally on their own property with no neighbors. And we could be loud and, you know, actually play music. Yes. And um, we've made it, the basement, into our own little recording studio. And we'll, like, come up with stuff there. We'll hang out. And so for a while there, when Lofrendo had just kicked off, um, we didn't have the farm. So that didn't stop us. We still went to Brett's parents' house in their basement and they had a they have a, a workout room and uh, we just set up our stuff in there and we just recorded demos in there. And then eventually the farm came back and all the demos were done. So we're like, let's hit the ground running and just record. Yeah. But like I said, it's been a learning process because even now listening back to repossession, I'm like, oh, there's like the levels were off here. Like you can tell it was very amateur, but it was good for what it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now with this second album, there's that like famous artists, like crazy yeah. famous famous artists where you listen to their first album. It's the same thing. Yeah. But it's only if you like really pay attention to that, because I'm sure it stands out to you a lot. But somebody else listening to it, it's like. Yeah. And we learned so much in the process. I learned a ton in the process. Yeah. And that's what it's really about. Now, I don't think we'll ever have to pay people to do it for us because we're going to want to do it, and it's our own. Because mixing in itself is its own art form. Absolutely. So, and that's even true amongst, like, the band members. There's ways that Danny mixes that's different than how Brett would mix or how I would mix or even Brandon. So, when we get together and convene over, like, the reviewing process, that's definitely one of the things that comes up. You know, just as much as there might be creative differences in songwriting, there's going to be creative differences in the mixing. So... I don't think a lot of because you were saying like some people are like oh how do I show a song to a band I'm like that's just the tip of the iceberg wait until you develop the song and then it actually has like a nice um, beginning middle end then you have to get to the parts like well how do we want to finalize it because then you could have it written a certain way but how you mix it determines how it will actually sound yeah so I think each song should have like a producer or like a leader yeah like, I wrote this, I've got a vision for it. Mm-hmm. Or even, you can, like, I've had this happen with, like, former bandmates where I had a song and I'm like, eh, this is as far as I'll take it. Like, I don't know. And yeah. they're like, this has potential. <laughs> they're like, I'm, like, what do you, I'm like, what do you mean this has potential? They're like, I'm going to do this, this, this with it. And, like, I'm like, yeah. go for it. Take it. And they yeah. can turn, like, a song I've written on, like, an acoustic guitar and, like, it put their vision on it. Yeah. It, it's all... I- Pretty much playing music is akin to just play, like when you're little. For sure. And that's how that's I... S- a, that's a very innocent, good way to put it. I, I mean, usually put it a less innocent way. Sure. But I always feel that way when it's like... I mean, you and I had jams, like what, three 
days out of the week last week. We just every other day we had a jam going on. And every time I go to a jam, I always get this feeling. I'm like, I feel like I'm going to go out and play with my friends like when you're a kid. But I, I mean, you are playing, you're playing music, but it feels like play and it is play because um, you're just being creative and you're just that's another thing, too. You're as a kid, like you're always in the moment. And I feel like when I'm playing and I'm jamming, I'm just like that in the moment. So. But going back to like. uh like mixing and like who who's going to take the lead on this one if they wrote it like I definitely you should respect their vision um but it's important that just like <coughs> with, just like with play you have to get along too like yeah not every kid gets along with the other kids in the neighborhood so like you have to make sure you have your squad like your your group and I think we all mesh very well so it's important to get somebody who's not going to take stuff super personally too no and it always wasn't that way I think in the beginning it was like because that's the other thing, too, is um, communication style, right? Like, how do I tell so-and-so that this... I'm not a fan of this one thing without making them feel, like, bad about it. But in the yeah. end, just like with anything else that you're creating or you're just trying to make the best possible sound, the best possible product, whatever. Um, so in my mind, it's, like, don't take critique as, like, a harsh word. It's just we're all trying to make the best thing possible. So... Don't hold back. I don't know. Yeah. And to, like, learn to take critiques, of course, yeah. is important. To, like, learn how, like you said, to give it out. And, like, like I've always learned through, like, a compliment sandwich. Like, if you have to That's kind of manipulative. Somebody, well, it's like you point out, like, you're, sure. if you jump right into, like, I don't like this, mm-hmm. the person's like, well, fuck. Yeah. That's all. Like that's it. The whole song and this person just doesn't like that. They don't like the bass line. Versus you're like, okay. I you wouldn't say it. You would just be like throw this out if you didn't have anything actual to say. You would be just be like, no. Sure. But to be like, okay, yeah, the melody's there for sure. sure. The drums are exciting, the this and that. However, I don't like the bass line. I think hypothetically yada yada yada. Yeah. That's the thing like I get what you mean with the sandwich thing, but um, with anything with critique, too, I always am a big proponent of, like, okay, if you give critique, if you say, like, I don't like this baseline, great. That just means you have an opinion. What solution can you offer for that? And that's the thing. I think people's feelings get more hurt when you say, I don't like X, Y, Z, and then you don't offer a solution. But if you say, like, I don't like this baseline, particularly here, I think there's a spot for it maybe in the bridge. Yeah. Or I think, what if instead of doing this kind of rhythm, you tried like something more simplistic instead? That's a solution. Now you guys can like find middle ground to work together because once you offer a solution, they're going to have to dissect that and then you're going to have to understand why they did that in the first place. And now there's a discussion happening versus, oh no, he doesn't like my bass line. Because so, I've had that happen. Yeah. I've had players where I like bring a song to them and they're like, I, I specifically, the one, this one that I got recently, um, a couple months ago, was uh, a guy was like, that's just, it's just a pentatonic lick. Like, there's nothing really, like, flavorful about it. And I was like, huh? Like, how <laughs> is that a critique? Like, that's I just could, an opinion. I right. was like, right. yeah, exactly. I was like, I could pull up so many hits, so many hits that are just a pentatonic lick. Yeah. And, it, like, how can you genuinely say that as, like, a, like, because then he didn't say, like, oh, 
xyz he just wanted to throw it out like i don't want to do this song yeah i don't want to do that riff i think i've gotten really accustomed to critique because my my real day job i'm a graphic designer so day in day out i work with a team and all we do is like send our designs into our group chat and like critique it so ever since college really i've learned how to give critique so there's actually a lot of similar like parallels to design and actually music I mean, both are art forms, but when it comes to that creative collaboration and team effort, I think I'm really good, not to toot my own horn, but like, I think I understand how to give critique because I do it as a job yeah. and I and I receive it as a job too. So I understand that the things that are in my head that are about to come out of my mouth may not register. So I have to be very clear and concise. That's why I said what the whole um, sandwich thing you were saying i'm like i get it but like that's how things can get lost in translation because people might get hung up on well the melody's good right it's like yeah but that wasn't the point the point was the bass needs help that's why i was like it sometimes it's better to just not beat around the bush but i guess it depends on who you're working with like the guys like i've been with them now seven eight years i'm not going to give them the sandwich i'm just going to tell them the thing and then they'll be able to take it so sure I guess, yeah, when you are in that environment, it is helpful. It can be helpful just to get right down to it. But I've found that people tend to tie their, like, emotions up to music. What's going on there? It's not picking up at all. We're totally fine. Oof. Like... All the neighbors are out today. <laughs> the day that we decide to record outside, <laughs> all your neighbors are out. That's pretty funny. Literally, even in the slightest, though, it's not picking it up at all. So That's we're funny. totally fine. Um, um, let me tap this really quick so I can so I can know to cut this little part. What were, where were we? My bad. Just saying, like, um, not beating around the bush when giving. Critique. Right, right. I found that people really tie up their emotions. Yeah. In music, so I tend to give them. A little bit to really let my critiques of them go like easy. Yeah, I found that people can take things the wrong way because I know that I can take things the wrong way too. Because I've dealt with people who are quote unquote assholes. <laughs> However, they might not be deep down. They might have had good intentions. However, their social cues might have just Bad. not been there. Been might have been just so atrocious that in my head I was like, this yeah. dude is an asshole. Yeah. No, I get that. Like, I, I just, uh, yeah, it just depends on who you're talking to. If of it's course. somebody new. And when it's somebody like yeah. your, your brothers, your Yeah, like, close like I don't have to beat around the bush with yeah. them. And they don't have to beat around the bush with me either. It goes both ways. So that's a good relationship to have. Yeah. So you guys are all like good friends, like you said. You're friendo. Like, you guys are tight. You guys hang out. Yeah. That's we beautiful. Have, we are, I mean, like, that's my my uh, go-to group for the most part, like Brett and Danny and Brandon and his girlfriend. So explain who everybody is. So... Because I know. Yeah. Sort of. So Brett is the one of the guitarists, the one with the farm. Um, his... The the high school friend I was saying that he had a band with is Danny, who's the bassist. And then there's me, uh, also guitarist. And then Brandon, who's the... Who are you? What's your name again? Oh, Natasha. I don't think we ever... <laughs> Oops. Did I Did we? I don't know. Okay. Oh, Our producer okay, we said did. we did, so. <laughs> One too many Guinnesses. Okay, yes, of course we did. Yeah. Um, Thanks for the fact checked. Anytime, boss. <laughs> I play guitar, and then Brandon, our drummer, uh, he 
he drums. Uh, but I was gonna there say really are too many Brandons. Ah, we know so many Brandons. <laughs> and and the cool thing too, going back to like um the whole like taking ownership, like because you had mentioned some people really do attach their emotions to their songwriting, which how can you not? Um, but I also feel like the people that songwrite might also feel inclined to be the ones that sing sometimes, and then sometimes they don't want other people singing. And I think, I mean, I guess it depends on the the band and the style and the genre, whatever the kind of music they make. But to me, I always felt the more the merrier. So like, why not everyone sing and harmonize and give it that full sound? So like we all sing in the, minus the drummer, but like we all sing like Brett, Danny and me. And I think it works because we all have such different tones of voice and it, it just clicked in this very moment for me that there's only four of you. Yeah. I thought there was a fifth one for some reason. So maybe subconsciously you thought that because on our like band pick on Spotify, there is a fifth person, our buddy Tim. Whoa. Tim, um, he like plays with us live sometimes. Okay. He hasn't recently, like not since COVID and stuff, but like Tim, uh, he's played a lot of shows with us. He's even done like some um the DZ records like live session recordings like he was in those with us and tim's cool because he's he plays guitar and he does keys sometimes so and he'll add vocals but that's maybe why <laughs> but uh what was i gonna say you guys are harmonizing live yeah you guys all sing. it works and it rocks it works yeah it's really interesting too because i've never really seen a punk band do that personally we're punk i would call like a band of your caliber i don't think we're punk <coughs> a band of your hard-hitting caliber like when you guys were playing live with like the heavy guitars it sounded heavy to me yeah. I, not like metal heavy yeah. but like don't take this the wrong way like pixies heavy okay you've got like the distortion i would like i actually would not take that the wrong way because that is like one of our biggest influences exactly pixies. everyone tells us we sound like them so I've never heard a band like, like that with like that kind of harmonization. Yeah. You guys have a real like fifties, like doo-wop Beatles harmonization. Yeah. Well, the Beatles is actually Danny's like biggest influence. For sure. He okay. loves the Beatles. I feel like Detective yeah. Stevens right now. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, my goodness I mean, gracious. Like, I know a ton of people love Beatles, but like he's the guy that like you sit him down, he'll tell you everything you need to know to the T. So that that makes sense. But uh we need to have me and him need to have that. I was making, I was giving him. Uh, for everybody listening, Danny kind of resembles a certain singer of a certain Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, Billy Corgan. I mean, like, <laughs> he also loves like Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, and that's the thing too. We were Every, talking about everybody that. brings their influence and style into yes. it, which is why we moved forward as Lofrendo, not Frog Stomp, because sure. at that rate, like everybody brought their own um, thing to the table. So. Uh, like, Danny's got the whole 90s grunge thing going on with a little Beatles influence, which is kind of like a weird pair. Very cool. Brett's very, like, also got the 90s thing going on, but he's he's got very, um like, eclectic taste in music. He likes, like, the yo-yos and, like, all these, like, different cool bands that, like, I don't know. There's and always then, one in the band. Yeah. That makes for a good band. Yeah. I also do have a lot of different tastes, like Brett, but I also think that I bring... A bit more of a mellow vibe, a more like jazzy vibe too. Like things like with chords with like "Go on Three and "Looking for You" and songs like that. Like sometimes it's fun to go hard like that, but sometimes it's just as good to just take it down a notch. So yeah, 
And then that's brand part of the human experience in yeah. music. You attach yeah. your remote. You're like, I want to listen to a slow song. I want to listen. I want to thrash my head. Mm-hmm. That's what gets people sick about like those one trick ponies. Yeah, we have. I mean, not that we're being like super judgy, but sometimes when we go to shows and we we see other bands and stuff, it doesn't take long for us to like turn to each other and be like, oh, that band is suffering from same songitis. That's and a very real condition. It is. is and then I wonder, condition. like, we talked about that, too. Like, why is that? Is it because it's that one person that wants ownership of all the songs, that sings all the songs, that they don't let everyone else to give their, you know, their their part, that now you just have one style, which is nothing wrong. I mean, so many bands, so many good bands have same song songitis, don't get me wrong, but, like, that's just not us. Like, we don't want that. Yeah. A band suffering from that is Cigarettes After Sex. I've heard of them. Oh my gosh! Every single song is like delayed, um, sparkly guitar. I guess you could call yeah. it like really trickly. Like, uh, do like every guitar sounds like it's being played. Like there's just droplets of guitar continuing it, and then the singer comes in and he's like, <laughs> like if you've heard one song, you can identify like one song by them. You know, it's somebody's them. like. This is cigarettes after sex. Yeah. From that point forward, you will hear a song and you'll be like, "Is this cigarettes <laughs> after sex?" And somebody will be like, "Yeah, you like them." And you're like, "Sometimes." Sometimes <laughs> until you learn. I don't know. I haven't read it. I heard there's controversies with the band, so I kind of fell what off. What bands with don't them. have controversy? Yeah. Anyway. Um, and also, I didn't. I, before I forget, I wanted to talk about how we um. Obtained our drummer Brandon. Yes, go on. It's kind of a stupid story, but so at this rate, uh, or at this point, it was just me in Frog Stomp with Brett and Danny. And at that point too, this is like 2016. We weren't really playing sh- that many shows or anything. We were kind of just like getting together every once in a while and just like playing music, you know, just kind of hanging out. But we didn't really have anything like concrete. And uh, that year, the same friend that introduced me to Brett and Danny and that, that, that group, um, me, that friend, and another friend, we were trying to make a film that summer. And it was a, like a full-length feature. And we actually filmed it on the farm at another house on their property, this like big old spooky house. Because it was like a, like, kind of like a scary psychological thriller type of film. Um, and there was a party scene, okay, in, in the film. And we needed... Uh, it was a house show, like an actual band, a fictional band, but we needed a drummer. And um, we uh, we somehow got Brandon. I didn't know him at the time. Like, I didn't know him. Yeah. But we needed a fictional drummer for this scene. And then he ended up being a real drummer <laughs> for the band. So it's kind of goofy how that turned out. It's such a cool story. Yeah. Never preface that story again with this is kind of a stupid story. Well, okay, it's so stupid because let, let me get a little deeper. The, one of the friends that we made the film with, the main character from that film is like best friends with our drummer Brandon. And that main character, that actor, uh, our friend that helped uh, that made the film with us, he was trying to get a hold of that actor. He would Facebook message him, he would like call him, text him. He like couldn't get a hold of him. I don't know. So, like, he went to his house one day and, like, rang the doorbell and nobody answered it. So he left him a note and slipped it under his, like, door. And I guess the actor got it and was like, yeah, I'll be in your movie. So basically, if it wasn't for our friend that made the film with us for leaving a note, we would have never gotten Brandon. 
<laughs> if that makes sense. That's crazy. So that's why it's stupid to me. Because, like, if it wasn't for our friend being kind of, not weird, but I guess it's kind of weird. Like, the dude's not answering your text. He's not answering your Facebook message, but he took your note. Um, that's some destiny stuff. Yeah. That's like stuff was meant to happen. So if you look at how Led Zeppelin was formed, the way Jimmy Page, <laughs> John Bonham was like a the drummer in demand. Yeah. yeah. And Jimmy Page was literally like pestering him, like sending dudes to his house. Yeah. Being like, you are going to play the drums for my band. Like my band is the band. Yeah. That's how things work out, I guess. So he was like in between like takes for that scene. Brandon was being Brandon and he just was like just doing crazy shit. It was not for the movie. He just wanted to drum. And we were like, who is this kid? So, yeah, we, we got we got Brandon in our band and um, it works in some weird way. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. He rocks. He's a I robot. Mean, you guys all yeah. rock. Yeah. But Thanks. I feel I once heard a quote that said all music is drumming. Everything else is just arrangement. And uh, I think at the core, man, like, you can have the best band ever. The second your drummer messes up twice, he gets one. The second he messes up that second time, I'm like... Because <laughs> then you're on edge. Yeah. You're, like, waiting for it to happen. You're like, this drummer's going to mess up again. And he was fantastic. He had some gnarly beats. You guys are exciting to watch play together. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's fun. Like like I said earlier, it's like play. So it's like we're we're just up there as friends, just hanging out, playing. How did you get started playing music? Um, let's see. Like when I was okay. So for my thirteenth birthday, I wanted a guitar really bad because mm-hmm. my cousins had a bunch of guitars and basses at their house, and they were like we were all like the same age, and we would sleep over and stuff. And I'm like. Ooh, like I picked up one of their guitars one time. I was like, I want one. I didn't know why. I just wanted it. I didn't know what I was doing. So for my 13th birthday, I was like, Mom, please, 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 can I please have a guitar? And my mom, just like any sensible parent, was like, this is a phase, you know? Like, I'm not going to waste money on a guitar. Not that she wasn't supportive, but she was like, come on. Yeah. I was like, no, no, Mom, for real. It's expensive. Yeah. I was like, Mom, please. And she's like, all right. So... At the time, Target was selling guitars, like Lion guitars, <laughs> and it was like a choice between Adam Levine's like red <coughs> guitar or this like pink sparkly one. And she's like, "I'm getting you this pink one." I was like, "Oh, uh, <laughs> I know." And <laughs> me then and now, I was like, Ugh, "I don't like pink, but fine." And I brought it home, and then I just learned everything myself. Like I just looked up. Um, well, I didn't know what I was doing at first, obviously, but I looked up, like... The power of the internet. Yeah. And that's the crazy thing, because if that was me in the 90s or whatever, like, it would have been so much harder to look up tabs and chords and, you know? So I basically learned by just trying to learn songs that I really, really enjoyed and learning chords and different song uh, guitar playing techniques... And then every song that I learned, I just accumulated a new technique or a new chord. Um, and that's how I just built one after the other on top of itself. And that's how I learned guitar. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Didn't have any books? Didn't have anything? No. no. Did you ever at some point study music theory? No. No? I was, okay. I How'd was, you get into writing music? I was, okay, wait. Does it count that I was in band in fifth grade? But didn't like I played the trombone for like a year and a half. But I guess that's like the only theory I have. But that I was what ten? I don't remember that. Yeah. Other than that, no. 
So what was your process when you got into writing music? Um, Cause you write music. I do. I actually write like the majority of the song, like the majority of the songs that made it to the albums ended up being mine just because we just, that's how we voted. Um, so, but like the process, I still have the same process that I had when I was a teenager and I just, I'm rith- mainly rhythm guitar. So I would just come up with like chord progressions and then I would, at the time I didn't have a laptop to record it. So I would take my sister, she had this like Sony recorder that she would use to like record her lectures in college. Well, she gave it to me. She's like, I don't need this anymore. So like this like little tiny recorder and I would record myself playing a chord progression, like a loop on that recorder. Then I would take that, plug it into a speaker so the sound's louder and clearer. Take my uh, iPod voice recorder and then have that play and then record me playing lead over it. Now that voice recorder has the Sony, you know, chord progression plus my new lead. And then I would take that and then record from the Sony recorder and then back and forth, back and forth. And then that's how I like learned how to write songs and like. That's fucking beautiful. <laughs> it's. That is it worked with what I had. the most beautiful things yeah. I've ever heard in my life. Oh. Well, no, yeah, you exactly <laughs> that. You worked with what you had. Yeah, that is like reminiscent of the Beatles in the '60s doing that. Uh, like the four, was it a four track or an eight track? Stacking the eight track, yeah. taking the eight tracks and stacking them down into one, and then you've got seven more to work with. Yeah, and then. But for you, it was just the next layer, the next layer, the next layer. And if at some point you don't like something six layers ago, that's too fucking bad. Well, to be fair, I only had uh, X amount of, like, limited stacking I could do because it would sound really crushed and compressed after some, like... I was thinking that. You know, kind of like when you take a screenshot of a screenshot of a screenshot. Mm-hmm. So I, I really had to get my point across after a few stackings, but... And then it wasn't until I was maybe, like, maybe later on in my teens I would start singing. But I'd never sung in front of other people. Hello, motorcycle. Oh, that'll, that made it on the <laughs> um, a little bit. But That's, I, I, I think, Gary. Gary! Say hello to Gary, everyone. Gary! Gary, come home! Gary's a cool guy. Gary. Yeah. Um, but whenever I would sing, I would just, like, cover songs to, like, learn how to sing. Or, I, I don't know if you say learn, but, like, to learn how to hold a key or a note. And I would, like... Sounds like learning to me. Yeah. Like, I guess learning... Like, people, I think everyone can sing. They just need to, like practice just with anything i feel anyone's yes. creatively capable they just need to like have the um drive to practice and sit down and have the discipline to do it um, i feel the same way but i do feel that you have to find what your thing yeah. is yeah yeah a lot of people don't and part of that is you have to get past that initial phase i mean i don't know i think about like i've got this passion for music but i can certainly say as a child and i was drastically like attracted to music and the guitar mm-hmm. but i also drew a lot as a child Same. and i had a lot of like potential to draw yeah and i feel that if like somebody gave me like the tools and like really encouraged me that i could have like gone in that direction and been really excited to paint yeah uh, like express myself some way creatively mm-hmm. it makes me curious with like somebody who's like a mathematician or like a rocket engineer if they could have gone ar- along some sort of similar is it the right brain that's the the non like the logical Right brain's creative, supposedly left brain is illogical, technical. Okay. So those but left brain people, if they could have gone into a different field. Yeah. 
but I think I think you use a little, you definitely use both as a creative because sure. I mean playing guitar is a technical thing. Yeah. And you even as a be, scientist, they have to have the yeah. Those, those there, there's no questions. such thing as I'm left brain, I'm right. No, no, you're both. No, you're both. You're right. Um, you're just being creative in like a more elusive way does not mean you're only right brain. It takes a lot of left brain to take that idea and put it out there. Yeah. You know. There are some accountants you meet though, and you're like, this guy <laughs> has not had a creative True. thought in his entire life. But I think musicians are both for sure. For sure. And so, yeah. And I then can't imagine there's got to be one then if there's like hmm, something that's like totally right brain that's just like all creativity, no logic. I guess that's when you're having fun with music. But at some point, once you're like, I want to get serious about this, I don't want this to be fun and games. <laughs> you start applying the True. logic. I guess yeah. If it was like a spectrum, because what sometimes you encounter a really sick guitarist can that can do all these like insane technical things but it lacks soul so where's the creativity in that yeah you're absolutely right yeah and i think part of it too is like i guess this isn't really part of it but this is taking a different direction i've been thinking about like the genuine you know self-talk of like if you're talking to yourself positively or if you're talking to yourself negatively eventually you're going to genuinely believe it down to your soul. Yeah. Even if you're just messing around, if you're like jokingly self-deprecating, at some point you're going to be like, you're going to really believe like, I am a fool. I am yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I'm not good at music. I'm just doing this for fun. Or like, I'm not going to get anywhere with this. Yeah. And I think it comes with the same way of like listening to music and interpreting music. Um, there's like... People like Anthony Fantano, I think he's <laughs> developed into such a way that, like, he sees music negatively. I've heard him just, like, there's a point now, when he gives an album a good review, it doesn't sound like he enjoyed the album. He was, like, surprised. Like, he's but amazed that there's good music out there to be he heard. gives bad reviews because he gets better rating, like, better YouTube I think like that's views? probably you know how I mean? it started, yeah. but at this point, and now it's, it's turned genuine. into that. Yeah, like what like, you're saying. Yeah, I think that's how it is with every critic. Yeah, because I, I mean, I've thought about if I was to critique music, if I was ever to like put on like, like out there, like I would want to only focus because I wouldn't even want to put out the bad energy of like I didn't like this album. There's albums though that I have such a deep passion and a deep love for. I would love to make a YouTube video and like put my thoughts out in the world. Yeah. There's specifically wiped out by the neighborhood. I think is a masterpiece and it is not even panned by critics. Like universally like they didn't put a lot of effort into this. Yada yada yada. The mixing's not good. I think it is so avant-garde, so hmm. draws the line like Beatles level of pop and avant-garde. Yeah. I and some of the mixing choices, I truly believe that everything on the record was a choice because some of the, like, the musicality goes so deep. A lot of people write it off as it sounds like they made it quickly. But if you really listen into it, it's like there's no way yeah. that wasn't, there wasn't hours and hours of thought put into every little detail of this album. Yeah. I would love to put that out into the world and just start giving that positive energy of like, Yes, I love Like, what's this. there to gain out of giving something a negative review? The views, the money. That's what I'm saying. But, but other than other you. than that, like, what are you gaining from that? As a human, yeah. as a spirit, as a soul. Because <laughs> I listen 
he's I I hate to put this out in the world now, but Anthony Fantano has put out like his doings of music, sure. and it's sorry Anthony, you are an amateur. Like Uh-oh. everything he does is like he did a collab with Mark Rebier. And, like, Mark Rebier is the fucking man. Yeah. And it was, like, clear, like, okay, Anthony Fantano's here for, the like, the collab, you know? But when he starts laying down stuff, it's like, okay, Mr. Has, has so much to say. And he's allowed to say it. Um, and I think he's even self-professed, like, I am an amateur musician or I'm not Right, because you can critique art without being an artist. Of course. Yes, yes. Yeah. But it just seems so... Like but after all the critiques he's done, yeah, yeah, yeah I get silly. it. It's, I it's hate silly. to say it. If we were really like online or in this modern world where critics, that's like a real profession and they're allowed to exist, that they're allowed to do that. Not, and that, hey, that's free speech. But I'm allowed to laugh at you then when you pick up an instrument True. and try to join the ranks, you know? Why, why do you think, I mean, like, why do you think people actually. I don't mean to say this in a mean way, but, like, why do you think people actually care what he has to say? Or any cr- critic. Shouldn't you just judge that yourself? Because, like, any time a band releases an album, and he... I'm just using him as an example because we're talking about him, but, like... Yeah. Anytime they release something, people are like, what did Anthony Fantano have to say about it? And I know maybe, like... I'm not saying that every person's soft enough to be like, well, my views change now because he doesn't like it, so no, I don't like it, mm. but... Yeah. I mean, like... That's like 13-year-olds watching Yeah, it for sure. but other than just, like, I don't know. I I just don't, personally, I don't care to listen to a, crit- a critique or, or a, a critic. Like, cool, that's your opinion. I'd rather just listen to more music than listen to you talk about music yeah. or play music. But maybe that's just me. For me, in the modern world, it's the equivalent of, like, I could tell you, my friend Natasha, hey, Check this album out. It's, yeah, it's different when you're talking to your friend, but a stranger, like, I don't care. But yeah. the disconnect is that, like, you might not listen. You might not have time. You might not, it's you true. might know, like, oh, I don't really like that band. And I'll be like, hey, if you listen, you're like, not yet. Or you might just say, Johnny, I'm not listening to that yeah. band. I know I'm not going to like it. And then if I really push and be like, hey, y- y- I know you, I know your music, you're going to like this. Maybe you listen to it. However, if I really want to hear somebody else's opinion, I've got that instant, like, I want to say almost just, like, instant feedback, that instant, like, gratification of, like, boom, Anthony Fantano's opinion is posted online. Some of the best ones, though, because Anthony Fantano, I like to laugh at him. I think he's so cynical, yada, yeah, yada, yeah, yada. Yeah. Um, there's fellas on YouTube, though, that give... The reaction videos, yeah, and yeah, a yeah. lot of them are just excited about music. They're not critics, and that's why they're posting their reaction, is because like it'll be a guy who's a fan of rap, who somebody sent him Freebird, <laughs> and by the time he gets to the solo, he's like, "Where is this going?" And he's astonished. It's a totally open-minded. Generally, these reaction people are totally open-minded individuals. Yeah. And they want to have a reaction. Like, that I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah. and they don't want to piss people. Like, right. They, part of it is they might be like, but that's part of it. Yeah. If you coax yourself to look for the best in mm-hmm. music, you're going to find the best in music. Yeah. And so, like, this rap fan, I'll have to show you this video afterwards. Um, but he really is like, 
when the solo starts, he's like, oh my God, I've never heard anything like this before in my life. Like, he's like, what is happening? Right. He's like, is this the guitar? Like, he can't believe that the noise he's hearing is because uh, the guitar the whole time has been like, or he's heard guitars that are like yeah, acoustic yeah. strumming. He's like, is this a guitar? Like, he's never heard those classic rock solos. It's a beautiful thing. And apparently, to he's never played Guitar Hero. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if you're a big rap fan your whole life, why would you be like, I'm going to play Guitar Hero? Why not? Or DJ Hero. I had that game growing up, too. DJ Hero. Yeah. What songs were on DJ Hero? Dude, they meshed up like 50 Cent, the Jackson 5. Whoa. Yeah, like all these... I I have not played it in years. And even when I did play it, I definitely didn't play it as much as Guitar Hero. But the mashups from that game are solid. Actually, I love mashups. That's one of my... Really? Yeah. You ever hear of um, Neil C? No. Neil, I don't know how you say his last name, like Cicera or something. Okay, he's the YouTuber that did the Harry Potter puppet pals. Whoa. That's what everyone knows him as, but he also (laughs) has like full albums of like the most insane pop song mashups. And not just pop song, but like all like different types of songs from like, uh, you know, that that everyone knows type deal. Kidding. Um, like mouth sounds, um, yeah. Like he, it's one of the the artists. I guess you can call him. Yeah, he's an artist. Uh, that me and the band like love to like, cause they make you laugh. Like they're so good that it's funny. I'll have to show you that after our the uh, podcast here. But yes, definitely look up Neil C on YouTube. Uh, he takes things like fireflies and nine inch nails, and it sounds amazing. And I don't know. I, I just that unfa- sounds and intriguing. I heard that the way he he or maybe people that do mashups do it is they take the stems from games like Guitar Hero because that's all like public, and then you just download those and then you just figure out the BPMs and the, the keys of the different songs, and then he matches them up. But his are like pristine, like they're perfect, and it it almost makes you want to cry. Like this sounds really good. I don't know. Some people don't care about mashups, but I think they're hilarious. Like they could be either really funny or just really good. So. That's a big thing on TikTok right now. Those are like becoming oh really cute. They're like gaining severe relevance. Is um some of them are, they start, they start as a joke, <coughs> and then people are like, hold up, why does this slap? Because it so hits hard? like your nostalgia depending on the song, right? And then when you pair it with another song that you also enjoy, it just two things mesh together like this is too good like it the best of both worlds i don't know that's what i love about mashups but i can see tiktok taking that on i don't have tiktok so i don't know what's going on in that world but yeah for sure yeah um my niece just got here or my cousin she just got home from gymnastics very good um, so you get, you like mashups mm-hmm. what <laughs> <laughs> like soundcloud has a ton of mashups does it now yeah I love SoundCloud. Although it's not it's not what it used to be, but I still love SoundCloud. What um so SoundCloud is a ton of mashups. What else on SoundCloud? Well, I mean, that's just another place for amateur artists or people that record music to like actual musicians that do it professionally can just post their their songs and You're fantastic at talking. Am I? Yes. Oh. I just said, we're like, what else about SoundCloud? And you were like, well, boom, 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 SoundCloud. Yeah. I mean, 
I started posting like my own solo stuff up to SoundCloud. Like yes, the last clouds. Week. Yeah, clouds. I sent you uh, under my artist name, nineteen ninety nine. Um, that's just something I'm doing, just on the side, a little outlet. Um, I don't know where it's gonna go. I'm just, I'm just uploading things because why not? It's very good. Checked it out. Nineteen ninety nine. Clouds oh. is the first song out right now. It's on SoundCloud. Is yeah. it gonna be out on other platforms? For now, I'm just sticking to SoundCloud and maybe do Bandcamp eventually or sure. YouTube. Yeah. But yeah, it's like okay, the name nineteen ninety nine is taken, unfortunately, like the year nineteen ninety nine. But I just added a little asterisk sign in front of mine, you know. So that's my name, asterisk nineteen ninety nine. For sure. Because you know, like when you're texting and like you make a typo and like oh shoot. I don't know if we swear. Did we swear? I don't remember. Uh, yes, we've sworn. Okay. I've sworn many times in this so podcast. So like, oh, I made, a, I made a typo. And then you send like what you really meant to say with an asterisk, you know? So yeah. like, there's all these 1990s out there, but like what I really meant to say was me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Something stupid, but. No, I love it. I mean, it's anything to differentiate yourself. Yeah. I've become a fan of like long names. As, like, yeah, 21st like, century Sundance. 21st century Sundance, Sundance kid. yeah. And then if I ever, if I do at some point, the band right now is uh, is called Hole in the Wall Gang, but we're thinking about changing it. To what? We don't know, but I'm th- I don't like it, and that it was just something, something that we for came that up. Show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was like we're gonna have a name, and that way when people ask what is your band, I don't hesitate for a uh, second. I go, we're Hole in the Wall Gang. Uh, you um, know, rock band. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. a certain certain couple of individuals that I know. Um, but I want to do like, just when uh, my EP comes out, I want to do like 21st Century Sundance Kid and Hole in the Wall Oh game. my God. And uh, preemptively apologize to whoever's making the poster. Yeah, it's a mouth, mouthful. Yes. But so that way when you put it into Google. It's very specific. Boom. Yeah, it's true. I do have to differentiate, though, like, I mean, if you put them together, hopefully it'll all come up on Google. But it's all work in the algorithms. Hopefully yeah. the, 1990, the asterisk 1999 thing sounds like it totally should work. I hope so. Have you mastered, does low, f- low friendo comes up, like, first thing when you type it into Google? Yeah, because right? no, there's no such do. thing as low friendo, unless yes. it's, like, something in Spanish that, I like, obviously I don't speak Spanish, but. It is totally not. I don't know. Maybe. But, uh. Yeah, well, the thing is, too, is we have enough content now where if you do type our name in, you'll see some video, some song, some photo. So, nice. Yeah. What is your most popular song at the moment? Cold and Comfy. Cold 100%. and Comfy. Yeah. What was the, did you write that one? I did. What was the inspiration behind Cold and Comfy? Um, I was on a holiday break from work a few years back, and you ever just, like, wake up? Okay, my room's above the garage, so in the winter it's very cold. You ever just wake up and it's freezing in your room, but you have like a very heavy comforter blanket on top of you, so you're cold, but you're like comfortable. Yes. It's like that right 100%. balance of feeling cold but comfortable. So that's what inspired it, like just waking up in a very cold room on like a January day. And like I said, I was on vacation from work, but I was stuck at home because there was ice and snow everywhere and... It's just one of those things in, I guess, Midwest America where it's like, it's middle of winter. There's literally nothing to do, but um, I'm just feeling really cozy in my home. And you're just going to make the most of the day just with my my family. You know what I mean? Just like, that's that's literally what it's about. Like, I don't know. 
I know a lot of people like to write songs about like heartbreak and love and like that's fine, but Lofrendo tends to write songs about little stuff. So, hello. Hey. No, you're good. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> um, I told her. I told her. I was like, do not come outside when you get home. All right, anyway. But like, I, I or generally speaking too, like I like to write songs about little moments and kind of expand on it you know what I mean like I don't know it's I don't I, I guess I like everyone goes through heartbreak sure and like everyone goes through betrayal sure but like I don't know I like talking about the little things that you just don't think about sometimes so yeah I don't know like that's something I've I love that yeah and that's a very specific thing to like midwest I feel is the winters suck but also they could be really cozy and just I'm just gonna hang out and just like play video games with my brother today it's also you know? such a unique expression of like an exp- a unique expression of self. Like you captured a specific moment. Yeah, that there you go. Candid moments that I just want to capture and talk and sing about, talk yeah. about whatever, give it emotion. Yeah, it doesn't feel like oh, this is a dramatic story sure. that I'm being taken on where I have to listen to this dude's breakup or this girl's breakup. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm cold and comfy. Yeah. Oh man, that smells delicious. Do you? Yeah, smell they've that? they've been barbecuing for mm-hmm. a while now. Mm-mm. Some kind of meat. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So you got what are your who was your first influence? Who is the first I knew artist? this question was coming. Who is the first artist okay, you were like? That's a hard question because let me like think back. Who did I really, really, really enjoy when I was growing up? For me it was okay. Bob. There was definitely like definitely more musicians and artists probably before. But, like, if I'm thinking, like, high school me, and, like, that's when I was really getting into music, one of the bands that I absolutely loved was Incubus. Okay. I just, I don't know why, but Incubus, like, really stuck with me. And, like, what I... What songs do they have? Okay, I'm like, everyone knows Drive. Whatever tomorrow brings, I'll be there. Okay, but, like, actually, Open Incubus is fucking amazing. You yeah. need to listen. I'm going to send you... um like their first albums that they released, they took a lot of inspiration from Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, when they were like heavier, you know what I mean? And Mm. like, dude, Incubus is, I mean, I don't really like their newer stuff at all, but like Incubus circa the 90s to like maybe like mid 2000s, uh, Morning View, awesome album. Uh, They, I don't know, they just, they're one of those bands that definitely don't suffer from some same songinitis, at least in that, like, era of music that I was saying, from, like, the 90s to mid-2000s. And they're very experimental. And Brandon <coughs> uh, Brandon Boyd, the, the lead singer, his voice is just awesome. Um, so that was, if, if I were talking about, like, when I was a teenager, like, really getting into music, like, Incubus was definitely one of the bands that I was super into. Um and then in college, I got really into Hiatus Coyote. Hell yeah. How long have they been around? They've been, I think Napalm and the rest of the band started doing stuff around like 2011, 12, 13. So at least like 10 years almost probably. For sure. And I saw they that maybe amazing stuff. they're awesome. So unique. I actually found them on a Vine. Remember Vine? Really? <laughs> well, somebody took a Vine of their music v- video, Nakamura, and I really dug it. And I was like, who is this? I went in the comments, you know, and I was like, oh, it's Hey, it's Coyote, whatever. And that's how I got into them. I was like wow. obsessed, probably more than Incubus. But um, 
I love Napalm and like her voice and her style. And that got me really more into like that jazzy neo soul sound. And a lot of the chords that they use in those songs, I like to play with like go on three and stuff like that. Just more of a jazzy sound. Um, yeah, I got really into Hiatus Coyote. I saw them maybe f- four times, met them a couple times. They're Whoa. really cool. Yeah. Met them? Yeah, like after the show type deal. So they're really nice. Yeah. Cool. And then, but like also growing up, uh, I'm Greek, so lots of Greek music in the household. Um, is there an alarm going off? Oh, it's inside. Okay. Uh, so a lot of like, um, I don't know if you like are familiar with Greek music, but there's a lot of heavy um, guitar that's used in Greek music, and I did not know that. Yeah, and like it's really intricate. Distorted heavy guitar. No, 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 no. It's it's um the bouzouki. It's very. I'll show that to you too after the podcast. Okay. But I love that style. Um, I connected the dots recently within the past couple of years, but like Greek music and like surfer rock. Ha- are like surfer rock is derived from like Greek and like Lebanese music, and so like that Middle Eastern feel. Oh and, like, yeah, Mediterranean. for sure. The, Byzan- the Byzantine scale. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The and double the, harmonic. Yeah, minor. and and Greek music is on that scale too. So I was like, whoa, nice. that explains why I love surf rock so much too, and like Dicter, mm. like you know, and so yes, um, Dick Dale. Dick Dale, yeah. So like, he was I think part Lebanese, which is where he got. Was he really? Yeah the inspiration for I'm like oh my god that explains why so much of the sound and like the different riffs and the licks sound like Greek like guitar music wow. so I was like that's so cool and I got into surf rock not too long ago um, and then also my mom she was a teenager in the 80s and she always had tapes in the car of like freestyle music I don't know if you know what freestyle is if I showed you you would know but I love but see that's the other side of like what 1999 is kind of into like more electronic pop uh, freestyle is like mm. everyone. If I showed you the songs, you would know. But it's like "Spring Love, Come Back to Me." It's really good. And then I know I'm like going on so many points, but now my brain's jogging. Take freestyle music. There's an artist who I now currently absolutely love. Her name's Abra, capital A B R A. She's mm. awesome, and I love her because she produces her own music herself, and she produces other people's music. But on top of producing her own music, she sings, and she's just a great performer. And a lot of her styles heavily, heavily freestyle music, and she's great. Like you would, look, I would have to show you Abra as well. But yeah, absolutely. She's definitely one of my my current like top people that I as 1999 for sure. I like look to her and like her style. But, uh, yeah, I kind of went through a lot. And I know this one's kind of generic a little bit, or I don't know, but, like, I love Claro. <laughs> oh, yeah? And it's, like, 1999. I love her voice. And also, I can see that. Well, yeah, I, I, I think she's... Um, she makes she, very pretty music. Well, yeah, she's got a very pretty voice. But her yes. music, she was one of the, you know, bedroom pop artists that this, like, genre, I guess, that kind of emerged the last five, six years. Um, yeah. I know she had like a bunch of songs that she would upload to SoundCloud and YouTube, and I think Pretty Girl was the one that like was a big hit or Flaming Hot Cheetos. But anyways, um, she writes all of her own music too, so she makes it all. She makes it all, she and that's that's why I like her it. a lot, and I love yeah. her voice and her style, and I think a lot of 1999 has a lot in common with what Claro makes. So I'm always looking at what she's doing, and so yeah. Hell yeah. 
What about now? Is there with anything with like writing with low friend that you'd say you'd say um hiatus coyote, incubus, claro? Like current bands that I'm actually into? Or is that because that you gave me you kind of walked me through a little bit when you were like writing songs for low friend because I know you have like Claire you said with the side project of 1999 that's kind of your oh so influence. like so when you're writing yeah. songs for low friend I know you mentioned earlier the Pixies yeah Pixies and the Breeders actually for me personally the like breeders. Kim Deal for sure I love Kim D- Kim and Kelly yeah you've mentioned them to me before yeah. and I've like needed to listen to them Kim Deal is. Probably one of the best songwriters, in my opinion. I mean, like, if you actually understood um, or, like, knew of her background and stuff like that, it makes a lot of sense of, you know, how she's writing and what she's writing. And her lyrics are very raw, you know? I don't like the whole floofy, doofy uh, type sound. She doesn't sing. Her, her like, ver- like the, the words, her diction. Floofy, like, doofy. Yeah, like, the words that she uses are never pretty. Does that make sense? Like it's always like. What are some words she would use? <sighs> Let me see. This is where my I like hit like <laughs> here. I'm gonna. Is she my, saying shit like she's like? <laughs> like, let me just think. Uh, it's just like gross to think about. It's kind of like Cannibal Corpse lyrics. No, no, no. It's not gross. Let me just like. Okay. This is where I have brain farts. I'm sorry. I can't recollect. No, no, it's okay. Collect ourselves. Let's get back into it. What were we talking about? I was talking about Kim Deal and her writing, and oh, she doesn't that, use right. You were looking. She it doesn't up. use like floofy, typical like, because like sometimes she okay. Like sometimes she can write about things in a really, uh, I guess like melancholy way, but it still sounds beautiful. And then other times when she was in the Pixies, she wrote. Um, Oh, gigantic. She, was in the Pixies. she wrote, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kim Deal's from the Pixies. She was okay. the bass player, but she wrote I, "Gigantic," which, from my understanding, it's like about a taboo relationship between a black man and a white woman. So, like, she'll write like raunchy or something. I guess not raunchy, but yeah, it's a it's a sexual relationship. But then sometimes she writes songs that are more melancholy, and it's just like the verbiage is just very like beautiful. It makes it sound nice. And like one of her songs, "Off You," I'm not entirely sure specifically what it's about. I've I've heard it's about like where she used to like grow up and stuff on the. Or I guess not grow up. She was from Ohio, but she where she resided in the West Coast, like and stuff. And um, I don't know, just the lyrics and like the think the words that she uses. It's just something that you wouldn't think to use, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, like I am the autumn and the scarlet. I am the makeup on your eyes. Like just like, I don't know. I don't like what does that mean exactly? I don't know, but I would have never thought of that. Instead of just being like, oh, yeah, my friends left me. I were my hometown. Like, you know, yeah. like she's using words that describe the melancholy feeling that aren't um, in your face, like obvious. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So I just I love that. Yeah, I, I appreciate her as a um, as a songwriter. I appreciate a song that can be interpreted many different ways. Yes. And I think even to the artist, it could be interpreted differently over time. For sure. Yeah. And even just, like, things are thrown in there. Sometimes it's nonsense that, like, you don't even realize subconsciously it means something bad to you. Like, when you listen back to it, you're like, what was I talking about? And, like, still at the same time, it makes sense. Right. Even if it's just, like, s- words. That's one of the things about writing, too. It's like, I don't want to write something that I'm not going to like to sing in the next five years in the future. For sure. I want this to resonate for ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
for me, the biggest thing is right now, at least, I used to be focused really on lyrics, and now I'm more about the melody and like yep. whatever lyrics kind of like give into that like melody and also the feeling of the song. I also think that people who are just starting out songwriting, just like with like writing a paper in high school, let's say, you get a little too hung up on the words. Like it doesn't have to be so poetic. Unless of course you are really good with words, but you don't have to find you don't have to use the most poetic, almost pretentious sounding words to make a beautiful song. It doesn't have to be that hard. Just yeah. like use the words that come to your head and then put it to a song. One of the rules I've heard is that like you should express yourself in the br- like by the bridge people should be like this like in the bridge um you've been like like in the verse hypothetically you've got like a really specific thought sure. like here's my verse thought here's this specific scenario and then when you get to the chorus it's something that's more broad oh, that yeah. like, people can listen to and then when you get to the bridge you can hypothetically say like exactly what you mean whether it's you know, uh, putting it some way or another, yeah. like if you're going to make it abstract, but that's when you can really get down to to business. Yeah. I thought she was going on the trampoline for a second. Oh, that'd be sick. We should have done the podcast on the trampoline. We totally should have done the <laughs> podcast on the trampoline. Um, And that's the other thing too, is like um, a lot of people get married to the whole like, verse chorus verse chorus bridge outro whatever oh for sure and it's that's nothing wrong with that but um it's fun to experiment and or even chorus first then verse oh for sure like you know just oh hello helicopter <laughs> oh that is getting picked up a little bit wow hold on to that thought what, what is that some kind of airplane it's a helicopter. You were right. Well, yeah, it is a helicopter. I was right. But uh, that's one of the things that w- when I'm writing a song, I um, I tried to jump out of the structure a little bit. And I try to um, add something new to it that's not so monotonous. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm a big believer in the post-chorus. Ooh. I know this might sound ridiculous, but... Yeah. I can cite many examples of this. Like what? Teenage Dream by Katy Perry. Oh, okay. I actually really like that song. Yes, you do. <laughs> Max Martin is a big user of post-choruses. Um, or, uh, yeah, post-choruses. Because, um, of course, there's a pre-chorus. But a lot of songs don't have a post-chorus. Or you could hypothetically categorize the intro as a post-chorus. Like a lot of riff music, a lot of rock and roll riff music, that's the post-chorus. Yeah. Um, which is, like, great. It's it's the hook. It's like Led Zeppelin's The Ocean. Wow, 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 Like, that song doesn't really have a chorus. Um, No, that's a bad example. My bad. I take it back. <laughs> However, Teenage Dream by Katy Perry, the first time around, she goes, you make me yeah, yeah. feel like I'm living a teenage dream. The way you turn me on, uh, my heart speaks, and don't ever look back, don't ever look back. And then she repeats the chorus, um, and then it goes back into the verse. Dun, 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 dun. I don't remember how the verse goes. Or it goes back into the, In the verse. verse. Yeah, yeah. So then the second time around with the chorus... 
you make me feel like I'm living a... And then they repeat the chorus, and then... I'ma get your heart racing yeah. in my skin tight jeans be Okay, I got what you mean. Because yeah. then there's the bridge, which the bridge in this song in particular is just a, a come down doom. and then a build doom, up. Doom, doom. Yeah, doom. and then it builds up. Yay! But then it choruses again, you yeah. make me feel like I'm living a... And then a, once again, <laughs> heart racing in my skin tight jeans be a teenage dream tonight. I never that thought is about such that. Such a fucking now I'm gonna make a song with post-chorus. that, like that post chorus. Never really thought yes. about that. I'm trying to. Th- I could s- show you more examples, I suppose. Would a post chorus also? Uh, wait. So like, you can just change the lyrics, and it's a post chorus. Hypothetically, you could make a difference between... You could also call it a differentiation between the chorus and the hook. Okay. Okay, You could not let your viewers have the hook during the first chorus. Right. Interesting. Yeah. What about when a song has a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, there's a change up and then the way it ends is totally different than how it started with a whole new structure. Love that. That's what we that's what I've been doing with some of the songs for Lil Friendo. Like Eyesight. Well that's actually one that's coming out in the new album. Um mm. Cold and Comfy changes up. Um Yeah, there's a bunch of other ones we did too. Oh my god, there's a song that Brett made. So this is why I love Brett's writing style too, because he he um his writing style is he can write songs that has like a structure, but a lot of times he writes a lot of songs with not a predictable structure. It just goes from one transition to the next to the next until the song's done. And a sure. lot of times his songs are like two minutes only long. And I love that. Whoa. Like I love shorter songs. Hell yeah. Yeah. He has a song that uh, he brought to the table. It's called Devil. It is awesome. He actually has his own like um, solo stuff called Unabomber. Um, oh, for sure. It's on Bandcamp, but uh, a lot of Unabomber songs we play as Lil Friendo, and I think we're going to like, re-record. Shout out Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, basically, he definitely writes in like a very, like you don't know what you're going to get type of deal. Um, very cool. So yeah. A lot of that, what you described initially, the A section, B section, A section, B section... With a with a C, C section. to a D technically, yeah C section D section and then that's the song. Yeah, that's 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 a lot of like prog rock, like yeah. the good good prog rock. Because you listen to some bands that call themselves like prog rock, and it's really just a ten minute song that's like <laughs> droning. Sure, I hate to say that because I'm being negative, but there there are certainly there are certainly bands out there that fall into that prog rock category, and it's like really. Did I really have to listen to it? Thirteen minutes of you doing the same chord progression, right? Um, and like a lot, of, like if you listen to Yes, Yes will have a seven-minute song, or Genesis, or Pink Floyd. Some of their pop songs are like A section, B section, A section, B section, and then it never comes back. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. Yeah, it establishes those hooks, and then it's like, all right, we've got you. Um, part of the theory that I ascribe to is by the time you get to the bridge, you can go anywhere, which is what you're saying. And like your viewer, your listeners already listened to your chorus twice. Yeah. 
they're hooked. They're in. And then essentially with the last chorus, you can do, if you are going to go back to that last chorus, you can do whatever you want. You can go wherever. You can belt over it. You can throw guitar solos over the last chorus. And people, are they're there with you. They liked those first two choruses. They listened through your crazy bridge. Take it home. Yeah. Led Zeppelin's Whole lot of Love. Whole lot of wanna, love. Wanna, 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 whole lot of love. You need cooling. And then... But, but like the whole middle section, the craziness. And I think that's how you avoid same songonitis. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That's one of the that's one of the treatments. Uh yeah, just experimenting <laughs> with like you were saying in in that way. And then bringing it all back in if you choose to at the end. Yeah. Yes, if you choose sometimes you're you don't too, have to. If it works, you don't gone. have to. Yeah. You're too far gone. You're like there the things have changed. You want the person and that leaves it up to the person saying, Hey, I didn't get my fill of those choruses. Yeah. But that was so sick. I got to listen to the chorus again. Yep. I got to listen to the whole song again. And they started from the beginning. I just got to give you all of my money. Bang. Another plan. But what Spotify gives you yeah, their sure. money. Yeah. Their I mean, whatever. Point <laughs> zero 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 Spotify, you know you know what you've done. You know what you're doing. I have like two opinions about that though. Streaming. Go on. Because I talked about this with Brandon Papa Nicholas from Spills, mm-hmm. and we've like talked about like okay. Obviously, we're in a different situation because we have jobs that can give like actual jobs that aren't music that we are getting paid for. But as far as just like okay, just the idea of streaming and Spotify, for example. Yes, they are taking all the money because I mean it's their business like you don't have to use Spotify right but that's besides the point Do, but don't we wait but hold on but think about it this way too think about like just the average like small band like us or you or even Brandon like without things like like lock like Spotify uh which I'm not saying I'm a fan of like the whole money thing but you wouldn't have a, a platform to be uh, known, in a sense. If you don't have, like, for example, like, I find bands on Instagram, and if they don't have a Spotify or some kind of streaming thing, then, like, how am I ever going to listen to your music? I just think, I, I just think, would you rather have Spotify pay, I'm going to air quote here, decent money to artists, but then the people that are just up-and-coming artists that want to have a chance... You don't get to go on the plat on the platform, you know what I mean? Because they can't pay all of us decent. They're go- only going to pay the really really popular people. So which one do you want? Do you want to have no access to Spotify at all and now have a place f- for your music? Period. I don't think that's the trade off though. But isn't it? Because they're not paying them at like a bigger rate. It's just that they get more listens. Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, would you? But even then, those I'm, artists aren't getting a fat paycheck. Well, at that rate, they're g- making money from other stuff too. Exactly. Like, you shouldn't, my point is, is you shouldn't use spot. You shouldn't view Spotify as a money, uh, to be making money from it. It's a tool. But it's a. We view it that way because we're like accepting that. Like we're accepting like this is how it has to be, but it doesn't. They're ripping off artists, the no, CEOs I, I, I agree with that. I, that I, are running this yeah, business, yeah, yeah. you're right. 
But it's the same way that politicians are quote unquote running our co- our country and walking away with an absurd paycheck. For sure. Where when but they take months and months off, artists will continue making music. The country will keep running. However, if truckers stopped trucking, if artists stopped making music, if we all, s- if, and this is a very real scenario, yeah. we all get to a point where we cannot afford to have the free time. Like, we are in a renaissance right now. As much as people, like, want to believe, like, oh, we're just, like, happy-go-merry America's, people want to bitch in America, like, Oh, we have no idea. We're in a renaissance where people have the freedom to create way more than certainly other times in history where you had to struggle to survive. Like yeah. if if you were a kid in 1700s America, 1800s America, what are the odds that you're going to become a musician? Well, that's the point I'm making though is because of I'm not I'm not saying I agree with it. I I agree with what you're saying about it. It is a ripoff. But the idea is that the platform's there. Like you now have at least something. And I'm grateful for yeah, that. Yeah, that's for what sure. I'm saying. Like at least there's that. Like, I, and I know you're saying you're like, oh, well, it's because we accepted it. It's like yes, but that doesn't. Those bastards are still ripping us off. But that doesn't mean you can't make money other ways. That's what I'm saying. You shouldn't rely on Spotify for the money making, d- despite the fact that that's how they made it to be that way. Like you can make. You were telling me that your buddy has like the sickest merch and like. Marvel T. Yeah, like you could, you could be creative. Like, Shout out to Marvel T. Like you have to be creative and just like same with YouTube. Like I'm not a YouTuber by any like I don't do that, but like people get Even demonetized for the pays, stupidest shit right, now. Absolutely. And it's like people are doing their own thing to make money, but they needed YouTube first to get that recognition. That's my whole point. At least you have Spotify so people mm. can at least have a a link in your link tree to be like, "Okay, let me just hear your music. If I like you, then I'll go to your YouTube, I'll buy your merch, I'll go to your shows. That's where you get the, you know, the actual monies from the shows yeah. and the touring and the merchandise, not the stream. But the streaming, Spotify, is like the the window to like into your world, I guess. That's the point I'm making. It's like, yeah, it sucks, but at least it's popular enough that people know where to find you. I don't know. I get what you're saying there. I don't agree with it, but at least that's the silver lining is my point. Agree to disagree, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Because I see what you're saying, 100%, that it is, I'm grateful to have that platform where people can listen to my music right away. But that also isn't exactly a product of Spotify as much as, too, like, people have opportunities to record themselves at home Mm -hmm. and this and that. I mean, a lot of people, like, if, for example, I don't, I guess Bandcamp doesn't pay per se but it's also you don't have to pay for Bandcamp. true and Bandcamp just exists yeah and the only reason you end up putting your stuff on spotify and itunes as opposed to because i mean Bandcamp is in a link tree or like in a lot of artist link trees is like oh check out you can like click on it it's spotify itunes Bandcamp. and a lot of the reason people don't click on Bandcamp is because spotify is the streamlined like the exactly. easy version exactly. Of like all my my big label artists and are your on playlists there. are all there and exactly. yeah exactly yeah. that's yeah yeah and so I fully believe they have the resources to be paying small For artists sure. and even the big artists like bigger and I mean some of them have cut deals like Taylor and this is I I'm totally speculating right now but Taylor Swift was like really fighting for like the small artist on Spotify, this and that. It is bogus. And then she's like, I'm removing my music. 
And then nothing changed. And all of a sudden, it was like, Taylor Swift's music will now be on Spotify. Yep. And it was like, she certainly, they cut her a big fat deal. Right. A big fat check. I wouldn't, and I, that's nothing on Taylor Swift. I'm sure that's happening with other artists. And unfortunately, it's been going on since the dawn of time. Yeah. I mean, we look at Picasso when he was an up-and-coming artist. He was getting ripped off by every art dealer in Paris, buying his art for two bucks, a hundred bucks, and then selling it for two thousand bucks. Francs. Francs. Technically. (laughs) (laughs) It's a tale as old as time. It's just what, yeah, like the music industry is one of the worst ones, but... I can imagine two cavemen almost, one of them banging on rocks and the other one being like, okay, they give me... They, they give me four pomegranates for you to bang on the drums, and I give you one pomegranate. You and the drummer, pom- the the guy banging on the rocks, being like, "Hold on a second, where are those three pomegranates going?" I guess like my bias in all this is because I know like we're small, but once I would, if ever like we got big enough where it's like, okay, now we're getting this many streams. Okay, where's my money? Then I'd be saying that like for sure. But I'm I'm just say, I'm just saying it from like a small local band perspective. At least you have somewhere to put it as a start. Then you could start getting more like, I guess, serious about the whole situation. Well, that's but what I'm upset about. Yeah. I guess I have no reason to be upset. But if if you could be making money off those streams, if that was like a serious avenue to be making money, for one, you would have a far more incentive. I mean, even as like. I hate to say, like, oh, money is such an incentive. (coughs) But it would give you way more free time. The incentive to have the free time to be making more music. People, like, people always want to be so quick to label, like, oh, the greed for money. It's just greed and you should be doing it just for the art form. This is my thing, though. Like, I'm not, again, I'm agreeing with you. I agree with you. But I'm just thinking about it, like, the other way around. What incentive does Spotify have to give baby artists money moral like that doesn't matter they're a business they're gonna do whatever they want to do and that's what i was saying you don't have to use spotify they don't have incentive to give low friendo money because it's their business because you know they don't have to do the moral ethical thing that everyone as an artist should be paid they don't have to that's my point um and that's just the harsh reality of it whether you like it or not um, I don't agree Suppose with it. Suppose you're right. Like, they yeah. don't have to. Exactly. And it comes down to morals and ethics. They don't have to. And they don't have to. And that's the thing. Like, I don't agree with it. No, of course, of course. But that's how it works. Like, that's like any business, okay? That's big enough. But, like... Man, that's sad. I know. That's reality, and unfortunately. But wouldn't you also... And this is what I was getting at, too. It's like, if they raised... Okay, if they said fine, we're gonna pay you somewhat decent, wouldn't you wouldn't they then have to raise the caliber to get onto Spotify so their money's going somewhere worthwhile? Cause as a business, they're not just gonna give throw money at shitty bands. That's what I was saying. If that were the case, you'd have to prove your worth as a band. Well, that's kind of the annoying thing is that's they're throwing money at like a stupid CEO who's like, What is he doing really? True. Like when it really comes down to what are the duties of a guy running an app. It's an app. Um, there's websites and uh, there's yeah. impl- like people making playlists. But when it really comes down to it, it's the same thing with like, why on earth is Congress getting paid that much? They shouldn't be. Absolutely but Congress, not. I mean, that's different though, because that's government 
we're talking about a well, government and business are the same thing. And of course, but I'm just I'm yeah. apples the oranges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying though. I mean, you couldn't even make the argument about like professional football players. Why are they getting paid so much? That one I understand. You know what I mean? Almost a little bit. Well, I mean, it's it, like you're gonna be fucking brain dead by the time. Oh, you're true. <laughs> okay, baseball players. Let's say I don't know a less like aggressive sport, like they it, kind of. It's the same thing as music. The ones who are in the minor leagues get fucked. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. Right. Like, you're why right. would they pay the minor leaguers? It doesn't make any. Is, is the minor leaguers gonna make Spotify and, and metaphorically more money? No. <laughs> but that's. The thought, right, is at the baseline in the Spotify argument is they are paying, like, hypothetically when these... And I'm speculating because there's not a public Taylor Swift took a deal with Spotify. I mean, that Joe Rogan thing for sure, but he got, like, exclusive Spotify Yeah, yeah, that was different. Um, But what you're saying is even people like Taylor Swift are not getting their cut. Literally. Yeah. Like, they're still getting paid and they, like, you keep saying, like, what is the incentive to pay Lofrendo? Like... At least there's there should be some incentive of like the because you are getting paid point zero 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 whatever for however many listens you've had sure and the weekend lot. is getting paid point zero 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 whatever and that's part of why like they jo- I think Joni Mitchell pulled off initially but then I mean some of them pulled off to protest Joe Rogan but initially that was silly. You're laughing because you know it's true. It's so funny how boomers have like I just have like go along with the media perspective. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, like how do you like? Yeah, Neil Young, you wrote the song Ohio about how the government is gonna come in and preach a narrative, and we as creatives have an a, a, like, like a, a duty, duty to question yeah. that narrative, and for him to be like Joe Rogan, especially after it came out. When, and now it's funny, the two podcasts with the two experts, the two doctors, back-to-back episodes, where he, they discuss alternatives Yeah, Dr. McCullough and um, Robert Malone. Dr. Robert Malone. For yeah. sure. They discuss the alternatives to keeping yourself healthy mm-hmm. alongside the vaccine. They recommend the general public get it. They The literal... Vac- anti-vaccination, whatever you want to call it, uh, they had in those two episodes was literally both those doctors did say, if it poses a health risk to you, think before you get it. Mm-hmm. There was no the ma- it, there was no the masses shouldn't get it. It was saying the mass he was saying the masses should probably get this like if it really is the for the good. But also there are these alternatives, and it's crazy now. Those alternatives have come out. The, the horse tranquilizer. Ivermectin. It's, Ivermectin. It's, it's come not, out to, like, it's, help. It's, well, I mean, like, that's like saying, like, water is a horse's drink. Like, everyone drinks water. Like, Ivermectin, from my understanding, is it's a drug that horses could also take, but it's not, like, specifically a horse drug. And that's the fucked up thing about it too. Like, from my understanding too, it's it's won a Nobel Peace Prize, like, or some kind of prestigious award because it's I don't know. Throughout history, it's proven to like really help humanity. I think like in Africa, it helped with um, what's that one disease? Um, it caused blindness. I forget what it's called, but 
anyways, yeah, I, I it's crazy how people will just follow along with the narrative and because their favorite artist from, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago decided to make a statement and pull his music off Spotify, he ended up just shooting himself in the foot. Uh, it just, it, it, I hate when politics like gets in the way of things <coughs> and today's today's now like you can't really separate politics from life anymore like everything's political now so unfortunately that's why that happened but um yeah i altogether like just yeah it's shitty when big corporations rip off artists but like you said that's been since forever and that's just because they have no incentive to treat you right that's the way it goes it sucks absolutely that's why yeah the silver lining is like at least you have something there as a start no absolutely yeah and it's it's funny too like i'm i'm not a big joe rogan listener but like when there is like a fascinating like this person like to listen to yeah and especially when there's controversy because i mean there's been several times where it's like oh this person appeared on joe rogan and you're like oh interesting yeah um and then when the controversy happened, it's like, well, I, I got to think for myself. As always. That's the biggest yeah. thing is a lot of people who have their opinion on that haven't listened no. to give their opinion. That's with any news bit that you see um, about anything. They just take that as word without actually looking into it themselves, doing their own research. Yeah. But, like, for real, like, you're just going to believe because here's the thing most people don't care about like actual politics right they have a job maybe a family and kids they got to take care of so if there's current events going on they're going to just read the headline article or watch that clip on youtube that youtube is putting in front of your face by the way you didn't seek that out they put it in front of you yeah so okay two minutes about this shooting that happened let's say great i got my uh news source i'm gonna move on with my life like most people are doing that. They're not actually going into the story and differentiating like what actually happened versus what's fed to them. For That's sure. the problem. That's the problem right there. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, a not as intense one, but it, I guess it is kind of intense. It's important. It's a big. Uh, it's a big news event, and of course, it's been huge. But the one I'm seeing now is people will, and this is too just like an easy way to write off to pretend that you like listened, is people will say. Oh, you know, with the Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing, they were both terrible people. Like, I'm sure he abused her too. Like, no. Did you like you to really have watched it? All of the evidence, the jury was right. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely right. Like he, um, she, I, I fully believed she was the abuser in that scenario. They talk about how uh, they had a, a psychologist come on and express that there's uh, it's an argument in psychology that like some psychologists believe um mutual abuse is a thing and some believe that it's always one person for one that they find a victim or you know to that like somebody initiates initiates the abuse and the other person is just like retaliating but they don't want the abuse to be taking place yeah and i suppose I really don't know. But from all the evidence she presented, um, it, and we can get deeper into this, but we totally don't need to. But it seemed to me 
she abused him. And some people cite specific, like, oh, didn't you hear him yelling? Didn't you hear his texts? His texts were specifically, like, they had already gotten divorced. And he was, like, he literally, I'm not going to repeat what he said. Because even he was embarrassed to have said it. But it was a private text to a friend of his that was essentially, like, Fuck my ex-wife, my ex-fiance. She's terrible. If I could kill her, I would. Oof. Um, but it's like it's in private. It's in pri- It's a literal private text yeah. message. She's making his life miserable. Yeah. Yada yada yada. Um, and he's not saying like, "Hey, wink, wink, nod, nod." If I could kill her, I would. He's saying to a close friend, "God, if I could kill her, I would." Yeah. You know. Um. And everything she has in him, the one, the biggest video evidence of him slamming, he was slamming cabinets okay. and um, yelling, like, yelling at her. And it was his, it was the morning his mother had died. Mm. And she was recording him like she was antagon- clearly antagonizing him to have a meltdown. And then she started recording him. That's so I, I'm fully on the side that he, Johnny Depp was abused and he got his justice. Mm-hmm. But there's people who, after it's over, been like they're they're both shitty people. It's like I, I don't know. Like I don't know him. I don't know his character. Yeah. I, I don't know them. But in this, but based on the evidence, exactly. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I know. I I didn't follow that one. I, I opted out not to invest my time and energy into that because <laughs> I honestly don't care. I couldn't look away. Yeah, I know. I get why. I get the appeal though. Like I love. Um, I love. Uh, like. Okay, like when uh, this was maybe like 2013 ish, 2011, 2012, like the Jody Arias like court, like any, oh, like I love, yeah. okay, I'm that girl. I love true crime, <laughs> but I really do love true crime. And like I watched it's fascinating. those. It's fascinating. It's the same way that every man, every, every woman is into true crime, every man is into war. Yeah, I guess so. But, uh, to me, it's not because of like the grotesque nature of murder. It's the it's the psyche. Just back to the whole Johnny Depp thing. It's like what For caused sure. you to do this? Like I I don't know. Mm. Like I guess you don't have to go to like murder to like want to be interested about that. Like, but the thing with murder is like it's that's, intense. That's, te- that's, an that's intense like one of the psyche. worst things you could ever do. Yes. Like, what caused you to do that? And with like her case in particular, like her uh, court case, which went on for like a long time. It was like the summer of like 2011 or 12, so, oh, somewhere around that time. Uh, I would watch it with my aunt. And um, dude, she, just like, I'm sure there's parallels between her and Amber Heard possibly. Because from what I saw of Amber Heard on social media, like she's like sociopathic probably. They were saying borderline personality yeah. disorder and narcissistic. I mean like that's... Like Jody Arias, I don't know how familiar you are with her, but like she's the one that stabbed her boyfriend in the yes. shower twenty seven times. Um dude, in she's self defense. And I believe her. No. <laughs> no. And this is where evidence comes into play. Um but uh she was like extremely, extremely manipulative. Mm-hmm. And even in the courts, I know a lot of it was probably her lawyers telling her to do it, but like if you saw what she looked like, like before she was arrested and stuff, she dressed like whatever, like twenty something year old, like very like um, revealing when she would go out and just like you know trying to look hot, let's say. But in the courts, she dyed her hair different. She was a blonde. Now she was a brunette. She wore glasses. She wore like very conservative clothing. Like it was all about the image, which I understand that from like a defense point. But it goes beyond that. Like the way she spoke, her demeanor, it changed, and like how she was in jail. It was just so. 
I don't know. And then like she, there's a bunch of phone calls that she would give him, and like, um, I, I don't know. Like it, it's creepy, you know. And that's why I'm fascinated about it. Though at the same time, it's like, how can you do that, or how can you treat your boyfriend that way? For, like first of all, um, but. Sadly, I mean, it happens way more often than people think. And to be honest, you probably interact with people like that more than you know. Uh, that's the scary thing about it is they're hiding it. You know what sometimes I mean? Sometimes you figure it out. And sometimes and you figure like, it out. Oh you're like, oh, my no. God. Yeah. Get me out of here. But uh, my point being is like, I mean, that's just one of the cases that like happened most recently that I watched the trial because like it would be on and I'd be working from home. And just like out of cur- just like Jody, I was like, I was curious, I'm like what happened? And I watched it, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's crazy. Like I literally had my phone in front of me with like CNN and like all these other things telling me that this happened, and I'm watching the trial and other things actually happen, like video in front of me, and people don't ever take the time to like watch the real thing. They just take what these news sources tell them, and I think that's so bad. That's very dangerous. Um, I don't know. It's the same people that think government's good a lot of the times. Like, It's kind of in retrospect. If you look at the history, if you look at what was going on around the time of the O.J. Simpson trial. That's another one, yeah. There was no way. I, I would have believed, like, they're framing O.J., like, without a doubt. I mean, all the evidence was presented, like they say, DNA evidence was like a brand new thing that people didn't understand. So who am I, in retrospect, hindsight's 2020, who am I to say, oh, I would have known. I I mean, they say it was like a racially divided thing, but like with the critical thinking I apply to this day in my like knowledge of how terrible police officers are, and like the Rodney King thing yeah. having just happened, yeah. I would have used like my like young mind to be like, "Yo, they're framing OJ." Right. Like, of course, they're saying like the defense's defense was they planted the evidence. They want to make an example out of somebody, and I would I would have sat there and been like, "Uh huh." It's emotional uh-huh. manipulation for sure. They wanted to take your emotions from what happened with the was it the Rodney King like the riots and stuff. Yes. And. That was a big thing then. They wanted to take that thing that was still fresh in your mind and now apply that emotion to logic, quote unquote, in a case that has nothing to do with that. But they're only tying it because of skin color. And so you could hypothetically blame the the officers that beat Rodney King for OJ getting away with Nicole Brown Simpson's murder. Yes. Because hypothetically, had those officers not beat Rodney King stupidly (coughs) like with no reason to like they were totally like i've seen the video they have no reason to it's ridiculous i mean think about butterfly effect those officers were probably just like racist dudes like you think about yada 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 coming this and then randomly across the country a woman gets murdered by her a woman and her lover get murdered by her ex-husband like when you say it that way it seems like like oh like how are these events connected but when you put it into context of like these things were huge, like the of media. course they yes. were connected. Yeah. But if that first event didn't happen, if it was hypothetically, I still think the defense w- could make that argument though, because there's other there was other things that would 
that happened in the past besides the riots that you could still say, well, the, there was bias on the cop side and they framed him. Oh, for sure. But yeah. it was so but that fresh. One, yes, that one was very fresh. You can say for so, like I, I can say it with like certainty. How on earth could they have convicted OJ? There's that, no that's chance. A, that's a wild. That was a wild case. for Absolutely. Sure. I've been watching recently. There's a YouTuber called Wendigoon that I'm hooked on. OK, he um he does. He's got such a soothing voice for one. It's just like silky. Um, <laughs> he does icebergs and then he does like, he'll do like specific things he's gotten into. Yeah. Which I think is a really cool style of YouTubing. It's just like listening to your friend talk to you about yeah. their like latest intro interest. And the one I've been watching recently is, um, the Waco, the Waco, uh, that's okay. I have to like look more into that one. I know what it is, but I want to like dive into it. You know what I mean? You should watch Wendigo. He's okay. got an hour and a half video that I've cool. been like watching as if I'm watching like TV episodes. Like I'll watch it in like 20 minute increments or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whenever I have free time. Um, it's crazy. I'm not even to the people who are involved in the, I've been listening. I think I'm like an hour in and or like 40 minutes in and it's all the like this cult was like it was like a family that like it, it's crazy literally one person would be like i don't like what you're doing with the religion i'm doing my own thing they start their own thing i don't like what you're doing and then they start their own thing they come back they reconvene just like some of the cult members are like i'm going with this person i'm going with that person i'm transferring to that person it's crazy how much backstory there is. And when you listen to it in that regard as well, it's almost hard to think about it like these are, these are people who are like getting manipulated yes. into this. Um, a great podcaster to listen to or a lady to listen to, um, I've been listening to her interviews, is um, Michelle Phelps Rogers. I don't know if that's her first name, but Phelps Rogers. She was born into the Westboro Baptist Church. Oh, yes. And, and got out. Yeah. I think she's the one. Did you know? Uh, if the, if uh, Probably, because if you listen to her. <laughs> is she the one that she ended up like getting out because on Twitter, she some guy was, they were debating the Bible, essentially. And the guy pretty much did a got ya on her on the Bible. Uh, I don't know which verse or whatever, but she, it really made her think. And then she's like, wait a minute. And then it, she like questioned everything in the Westboro Baptist Church. And then she ended up marrying him. And I think that's crazy. Like, that's one of the good things about social media, I guess you can say. Like, you interact with people that you would have otherwise never would have talked to that can introduce you to ideas that could maybe help you in a way. But obviously does the other thing a lot, too, which bad. Um, yeah, I know her story. That's, that's <laughs> the weapon. Westboro Baptist Church. It's kind of a mouthful to say. They're evil. Dude. But like genuine, in my people, opinion, evil. People like to, okay, so I don't know if you're like you're religious or anything, but people who, that kind of shit on religion are like, well, look, there's things like Westboro Baptist Church that blah, 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 blah. Like that's why religion's bad. It's like, no, dude, like that is not a, that's not an honest argument because the yeah. Westboro Baptist Church is not a, like, 
that's not what like for example Christianity is. They're their own thing. They're not even in religion. Like that's a cult. Okay, so you can't yes. use that as an example. For sure. And that's what evil is. And they do it under the guise of well, we're trying to save people. We're trying to say that so and so is going to go to hell, whatever group that they don't like or agree with, because the Bible says so. It's because God's going to damn them to hell. So we're trying to save them by hating them. Or sorry, they don't say that they hate them. They say that they love them, right? They say, we, we do this because we love you because we don't want you to go to hell. No, that's not how religion actually works. Like, but, uh, yeah, I, I, it takes some serious manipulation to pretty much um, get a group of people to take picket signs to go to, I don't know, military funerals? Yeah, that's messed up. Like, what? So messed up. Military funerals and then, like... Other funerals, any the any funerals of gays, gay people, like, he, he yeah, it, this, whatever, he got like what was exactly, coming. exactly, and he um, did not repent. They, the the sad thing for me is words. the kids. They bring their kids to this shit, and they yeah. they they raise them in in this like really messed up um, families, messed up situation, and it makes me sad because you have people who get angry, like rightfully so, at these groups of people, and then kids, their kids can get hurt. Like that's. You're putting yeah. your kids in danger now. Like that's messed up. The craziest part about that one is the, the she says that their family was loving, and that the like. The manipulation came from if you leave the church, we're you're never going to hear from us again. That's you're, same you're with Scientology be too. Yes, exactly. That's a cult. Yes, because I mean all, it's all like cults. we're not going to tell any. I mean, imagine if like. It was like, oh, if you quit the band. We're never going to talk to you again. Well, it's like not only that, but like everybody you know <coughs> in the music scene is not going to be allowed to talk to you. That's, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Scientology is another like crazy effed up one too. But insane. Uh, insane how many like, like Tom Cruise, Scientologist. Well, have you watched like... Leah Remini's um, show about it, where she interviews is, she interviews people who uh, escaped. I guess you can say Scientology. They left it, and a lot of these people were brought up to it um, in their family. So, like their parents were Scientologists, and then they um, followed suit because they had no choice because they didn't know any better. Type deal. Um, it's very money ma- manipulated too because people that join yeah. it, it's like self-help books like how to be a better person basically how to do better in life and i heard that those books like have some legitimacy to like oh like you read it like this is actually helpful well that's I how they that's how they hook you specific too yes they, that's how they hook you because they you're like okay this is legit and then it's like okay well when you start reading these books you're at this i think like stage or phase you have to complete these I don't know, courses or lessons or whatever. And then that's how you get to phase two to make you a better human, like basically yeah, ascend. It just gets more expensive. And then you have to pay for it and pay yep. for it. And then once you've already invested so much money, you're like, well, I can't quit now. And then they like manipulate you emotionally and like they make it seem like you're one big family. But the thing about that, ironically, is the parents are like not associated with their kids. Like they're not allowed to associate with their kids. Um, it's actually effed up. So, I don't know. And then they stalk people that, like, try to leave. So, I, I, it's, an, it's, it's akin to true crime. Like, what, 
how I guess sociology. There you go. It's all sociology. This is all the things we've been talking about the past half hours, like under the umbrella of sociology. It's like what yeah, for sure. makes groups of people act and behave the way they do. But uh, that's why I think a lot of um, tying this back to this podcast interview I think if you have a healthy um, interest in sociology, you'd probably be a really good writer, like songwriter. Because then you have a lot of stories to tell. I think if you have any interest, this is going to sound so just like swiping, but any interest in any subject, if you know, and this just kind of goes with like expressing yourself in general. Yeah. We could take it down to the most basic. Some people are like shy quote unquote mm-hmm. but they're not really shy it's they don't feel that what they have to say is worth hearing mm-hmm. and then you can even hear in their voice they don't think they don't think that people are interested in what they have to say yeah they don't understand that you can just say it you can just say it <laughs> yeah and like if you're interested in what you're saying then other people are going to be interested in Hopefully. what you're saying yeah. too i mean unless at that point it's the other person's problem. If yeah. they're not listening to you, if they're not interested, that's too that's bad. That's their problem, yeah. Yeah, but if you're passionate about what you're saying, and granted, is the f- like as long as you're not like the first thing you say to somebody is like, hold on, let me take your attention for half an hour. Bruh. It's like, hold on, I just met you. I don't even know you. Yeah, exactly. Like, But if you have something like, did you know Elvis Presley dyed his hair? Black. Yes. What was he originally? Guess. Is he? I don't know. I'm gonna assume blonde. He was. Okay. <laughs> he was blonde, like a dirty blonde. Him and his wife Priscilla, Priscilla Presley, they would dye their hair together. Cute. Isn't that romantic? Yeah, I guess so. But like, that's interesting, isn't it? I just said that. Like, that's a thought that I have in my head, and like, bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. And it like when you apply that to music, even. It's like you can express yourself in any way. Some people like they make little drum beats, little silly little cute drum beats, and they're like, "Oh, this is garbage." And like, there's people who are massive like that, or like way bigger than they should be. I shouldn't even say that, but like, gain huge followings. Yeah. There's some artists who are self-proclaimed. I have no idea what I'm doing. In fact, I'm totally lazy. My fan base wants more and more music, but that's not me. I make music for fun, and like I have no idea how I got this huge. My, you ever heard of Mild High Club? Ah, uh, yes. He's like self-proclaimed like that. He's like, I'm lazy. Like the music will come when it comes. But uh, how much, um, how much do you believe it though? You know what I mean. What do you mean? Like, I feel like a lot of artists or like indie artists try to give up that vibe. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't care. But like, you care. How he much? How he much? Doesn't say that he doesn't care or that like I get what you're yeah. saying. I totally do. Um, yeah, you're right. You're right. Totally. That makes sense. I guess it's all part of the vibe. And I guess somebody can yeah. question, like, what I'm saying. Like, do you really care about theory? Like, does like all this emotional and spiritual and theory thinking really go into your playing. And it's like, well, yeah, they all come in at different levels yeah. at different times, different feelings. Makes sense. So low friend though, let's get back to low friend. Though. Oh yeah. We really went off on a tangent. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's good <laughs> stuff. Let's, let's get back to low friend though. Yeah. Um, 
You said you guys had recorded an album. You've got an album coming out soon? Hopefully, yeah. Ho- hopefully. What it's was the inspiration behind this album? What was the thought process? Uh, Where'd you guys come from? Let me just say that this album has been uh, almost three years in the making now. For sure. A lot of it having to do with the fact that, you know, COVID and uh, that really delayed a lot of things. Um, but besides that, I mean, nothing in particular inspired the album. It was just, okay, we did Repossession, which was album one. Let's do album two, and then boom, you know. So, um, that's, I guess, my answer to that is just okay. Let's let's do another one. So we just did another one, and it was another process of like, okay, this is what we did with repossession. But like now we have a system that's, we have a system that's you know, I guess we have it down. <laughs> system of a down, <laughs> and um, we kind of figured out. The, like little things like okay this works this doesn't work it's easy like for example one of the things that we thought was um beneficial for the whole process was instead of just bringing a little snippet of a song or just like a riff which there's nothing wrong with that it's so much better and easier if you just bring like a spine of a song or like a rough yes. demo because given our situations we all have jobs full-time jobs we don't really have the time, unfortunately, to sit there and, like, develop a song together, like, from scratch. It's so much easier if someone has something they really want to, like, develop with Lofrendo, that we can make it Lofrendo, that we can create together. But now we have, like, blueprints of something to work with. And yeah. we're all good enough individually to come up with said blueprints to then bring it to the band and then make it Lofrendo. So that's what we did this time around. And you would think, why did it take three years almost <laughs> if it's faster? It's just the fact that like life gets busy and we don't have the time to like... The songs are there. We just have to finalize them. So that's the only thing right now. But it's it's like it's really close. Um, I'm pretty certain it'll come out at least end of summer. It's been kind of an ongoing thing at shows. People are like, oh, when's the new album coming? Because we'll play new songs from the new album, uh, a couple songs or so here and there. And we're like, okay, this one's a new one. It's on an album. It's been taking two and a half years to make three years. Um, but one day you'll hear it like <laughs> on your own if you want uh, whenever we release it. I keep saying it'll come out the next pandemic, but <laughs> um, yeah. that Some bands like, I guess they have like a whole story behind their album, which is cool. Oh, there's no story behind this one. It's just a collection of songs that we just made. So interesting. Yeah, For sure. I can dig that. What is the album gonna be called again? That is to be determined. Mm. So can we have some teasers of some names of some songs on the album? Yeah, I mean we played one of the new ones at DZ Fest uh, last year. So. Oh. Let me just pull up my Dropbox. <laughs> um, Blue Apple, Cold and Comfy, which already is out. Dave, Devil, Eyesight, Rinse and Repeat, Timber. Those are just some of them. Um, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. What? Genre, if you could describe... I hate this word. <laughs> I do too, <laughs> honestly. 
we don't have to continue this question. No, go for it. I please. You but might like, you might tell me something about us that maybe I I didn't really. I have no. I have nothing to say. But if you were to get, if you were to like describe genre, because you've kind of talked about different influences coming in, but what would you call this music, if anything? Um, it is okay. Like obviously alternative but like what is that you know yeah, indie in the course. sense that we are independent like we don't have a label we do everything yeah. ourselves okay so it's like boom boom um why should people care about low friend though <laughs> okay so that's a new question that you're asking me now all right all right uh, let me back it up then yeah you, i just thought you couldn't answer the last question no, i'm getting to it but oh, my bad my bad i guess the sound is it's got heavy 90s influence alter in indie alternative rock but with like shoegaze, crunchy sounds, sometimes jazzy. Like I, I, this is why I don't like this question because I like what you're saying. Yeah, I really do because it's that question is dependent on the next song we make. Our songs can sound totally different in the next album. Yeah, for sure. Experimental. There you go. Experimental. Very lightly said. All indie alternative '90s influence. Experimental. There you go. I like that. That's yeah. a good answer. Because I would totally, I would not say those words whatsoever. You said punk earlier, and I, we're not punk. No, for my own stuff. Yeah. Somebody else described you as punk, and I kind of guess I saw it, and I thought it was it came from like you guys calling yourselves punk. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I wouldn't call you guys punk. Um, punky, like in the sense that Arctic Monkeys are punky. Okay. Um, but I think after I sort of hear that, like. Pixies, Smashing Pumpkins, 90s. Um, influence more, I guess I wouldn't say punk. Yeah. So why should people care about Lofrendo? They don't have to. They don't have they to. They don't have to. But why could they? Um, again, if it aligns with what they like, then I guess they would care about it. We're not trying to put anything out to make people have to care about us. If you like it, cool. I do care about you guys, though. I think people should care. I think Low Friendo is an interesting group of people that bring a lot of influences to the table and have a unique sound. Thank you. Absolutely. So I'm going to wrap this up here. We've been going for two hours wow. and 13 minutes. Anything you want to say? You want to plug um, social media? Yeah. Um, We're uh, Low Friendo on like Instagram, L-O Friendo. Um, on Spotify, you can find us. <laughs> Spotify. Uh, on Spotify, you can find us after we just rip Spotify to shreds. See what I'm saying? Anyways, um, L-O dash friend O. Uh, we're on YouTube. Uh, we're on all those streaming services. Like, I, is there iTunes anymore? Whatever the I, yeah, Apple absolutely. Music. Okay, Apple Music. Uh, Apple Music. Bandcamp. We're on all that stuff. We also have a YouTube channel. Something we didn't touch on this. We have skits, by the way. Like, we have comedy <laughs> yes. skits. And we have like short um, documentary um, type <coughs> skits as well, like actual things about the band. For sure. So if you want to look at those. But yeah, um, keep an eye out, I suppose, for the new music whenever it drops. Um, like I said, hopefully into summer. But that's pretty much it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, Natasha. Likewise. Take care of yourself. Thanks. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. Uh, this has been the 21st Century Sundance Podcast. 
And once again, this has been Natasha from Low Friendo. Go give him a listen, folks. Have a great day.